Welcome to episode 38 of the VCF ORG podcast, The Business of Business. I'm Brian Fisher. In the previous episode, 37, our topic was employee workforce with Julia Pollock of ZipRecruiter. This podcast series focuses on the various subjects and topics to help you run a successful, profitable business. They're approximately 10 to 15 minutes long, so you can listen while commuting. Hopefully, you'll find one or two takeaways to implement per episode. Today, our guest is Kimberly Gerber. Kimberly Gerber is the founder of Accelerate, an innovative executive development firm specializing in helping leaders prepare for and succeed in C-level roles. For 30-plus years, she's helped transform the impact of over 1,500 leaders across 100 companies, including Verizon, USC, Blizzard, Allergan, UCLA, and more. The creator of several innovative leadership development programs, Kimberly helps senior leaders create strategic vision, build strong cultures, elevate leadership presence, and finesse communication to strengthen their impact on teams and organizations. Kimberly and her team at Accelerate have provided more than 38,000 hours of coaching, training, and strategy work, helping her executive clients master the five elements of successful executive-level leadership, boasting a 94% client promotion rate and a 100% client rehire rate. Her focus of candor and kindness is designed to help her clients become the best version of themselves. Committed to lifelong learning, Kimberly completed undergrad and graduate studies in communication at SUNY Buffalo and Sandy State, respectively, and attained her coaching certification with Newfield Network. Kimberly is also a MBTI Master Practitioner and LACBA Certified Mentor. Let's welcome Kimberly Gerber. Welcome, Kimberly. Oh, thank you, Brian. Kimberly, I'm always interested in people's stories. What's your background? And how'd you become the founder of Accelerate? My background is in marketing. My graduate and undergraduate work is in public communication and marketing and sales. And when I was going to graduate school, I had a full-time job first working for, then running a home healthcare agency. And that led into an entrepreneurial adventure. I actually opened up a home care agency of my own, grew it to over a million dollars pretty quickly. But again, I was in grad school and I wanted to lead marketing nationally for a Fortune 500 company. And so when Fleetwood called, I immediately went. That led to a lot of very interesting experiences. I was in marketing there. I led brand strategy and was eventually recruited to Starbucks. And when I was at Starbucks, I had, it was a great time. It was there in the nineties and it was a really fun opportunity, very different companies, one very results focused and one very people focused. And being a marketer, I'm always interested in what makes people tick. And so what I began to understand, what I began to observe is that a lot of the same principles in marketing work for leadership as well. And it really turned my attention towards what makes an exceptional leader. And I started to play with trainings and programs with my own teams. And that really laid the foundation for what the work that I do today. Now, out of Starbucks, I was recruited to be the COO for a dot-com company. And that was too good of an opportunity for me to pass up. So I took that, but the dot-com quickly turned into the dot-bomb and 
when that happened, I started to get all sorts of calls, people from my past saying, hey, I've got this job, I've got this project, you want to come work for me or help me out or whatever. And after about five or six of those calls, I, I thought, you know what, I've got a company. I'd already been a successful business owner. So I knew I could do it. I knew I liked being a business owner. And so with my current client as my sixth or my current company as my sixth client, I launched Accelerate. It'll be 20 years ago this year. Wow, congratulations. So that that's how I that's how I got into it. Well, I know that Accelerate looks at training people for C-suite positions. Yeah. What issues do employers have when they're promoting internal talent? They have a lot of issues. The main issue I would say is that they don't always promote the right people. They tend to promote folks who are technically excellent, have proven that they are good in their area of expertise, and they've proven that they're good people leaders. They might be some of the of the hardest workers in the group, and they're looking at them from the perspective of, can they build a team? Can they deliver the work? And, and oftentimes, those people, the way that they're successful up to that level is awesome, but it doesn't translate kind of over what I call the gap between senior leadership and C-level executive leadership. And so oftentimes people who actually have great executive potential are overlooked because they're not always the people that got along the best. They're not always the people that, that are playing nicely in the sandbox. They're not always the people who are as interested in leading other people. And so there's there's different things that you want to look for when you're assessing a senior leader versus assessing a, an executive level leader. Well, that leads me to my next question. How can you tell if someone has C-suite potential? So when we're looking at C-suite potential, I'm always looking fundamentally at three different things. One, are they a competent person? Have they demonstrated competence in their role? Do they show discernment in their thinking? Do they show that they can make really good decisions with information that they're given? And will they take risks, right? So there's a fundamental competence that we're always looking for, and that's a baseline. You'd expect that. The other two things that we're looking for is grit especially in today's environment. Every day brings a whole slate of challenges, many of them that haven't been considered before. So do they have the perseverance, the temerity? Do they have the internal fortitude to embrace the challenges that come their way? And if they, and, and some people are hardwired for it. Some people have built resilience over time. And some people, quite frankly, don't have what it takes to endure the pressures of a C-level role. And so if they're, if, and you can test for grit. And so you, you want to make sure that that person can really hang and be successful and not kind of fall apart in that role. So we're looking for grit. And then the third thing we're looking for is executive presence. Do they have executive presence or do they have the potential to develop executive presence? And that executive presence is a whole host of things, but it's essentially, can they show up and command respect and motivate people in pretty much any environment? That's very important, much more so in an executive than at any other level of the organization. We're speaking with Kimberly Gerber, founder of Accelerate. 
So Kimberly, uh, what are the biggest mistakes hiring managers make in selecting executives? Well, like we were just talking about, they oftentimes pick candidates who are good performers, but they haven't, they're not tested in executive dimensions. And so they might have a high potential who they've promoted and promoted and has been successful. And then they promote into an executive role and then they fall apart. The other mistake that they make is not preparing, not providing either a transition pathway or a grooming pathway for people to actually test that they would be qualified for an executive level role. And qualified isn't necessarily maybe the right term, that they would be able to have the capability to be successful. Well, this uh, next question is actually a three-part question. It really follows on to what we're talking about. How can a company properly groom high potential talent for executive promotions? And when's the right time for them to start? And should they tell the person that they're being groomed? Ah, great question. So where to start, how to properly groom a potential candidate would start with succession planning and evaluating not just one person, but evaluating the pool of potential people. Because I, I like the nine box process, which is pretty popular. And the reason I like it is because you really get to look at, okay, what are, what are all, what's the peer set? And how does everyone fit in terms of how we're categorizing what we consider success in this organization? And then based on that, it's going to be dependent on the needs, the timing, and really the culture of the organization. They can do cohort programs. They could do individual programs. And then it's also a lot of external programs that can all be used to develop the or those executive potentials. The time for starting an executive development program is, well, I would say in advance and always because you never know when you're going to need to promote someone from within. So I always encourage my clients to have a bench that they're always grooming people, that there's people in senior leadership who, if they needed to promote, they could promote. And if there isn't anyone, that they're taking care of that in advance. They're either bringing people in from the outside early so that they can groom them and so that they are an internal promote, or they're really looking to develop people who might be ready in a couple years. So 12 to 18 months out is definitely not too early to start. In terms of when you should tell people, well, again, I think it's situation and person dependent, but I think that If the potential promotion is more than a year out, I would only talk in general terms of wanting to develop them because they're seen as a strong performer. They're seen as someone with more potential and they and that you want to enroll them or support them with activities that are designed to stretch their capabilities and to help them refine their leadership within that 12 month window. If someone is 75 percent or more confident in that person's ability to be successful, then I think you can start a conversation about actual succession, actual C-level roles. But without that, I wouldn't. I would keep it developmental. Keep it very general. Yeah. 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 Well, how is an executive leadership program different than other leadership programs? I think an executive, first of all, the stakes are high. When you're developing, when you're thinking about the the impact that a C-level executive is going to have, 
there's a lot riding on that and it impacts a bigger part of the organization, maybe even the whole organization. So a development plan for an executive is going to be multidimensional and nothing replaces experience. So especially with so many young executives, so many millennial executives these days, the thing that an executive development program has to do is it has to train behavior, sometimes using content, but sometimes just using thinking, and it has to replace or replicate experience. And so a development program has to be, you know, it's got to have assessments, training, coaching, feedback. It's got to have actual assignments because you really want to see when you put someone where the rubber meets the road, not did they pass a test, can they do the job? And so a development, a really good executive development program is going to provide all of those pieces. And that's different than any other type of program you're likely to run in your organization. We're speaking with Kimberly Gerber, founder of Accelerate. Kimberly, what are the most important executive leadership areas to address? There's five. I'm going to narrow it down to two for you. The five very generally are self-leadership, organizational leadership, executive team leadership, strategic leadership, and external leadership. And the two that I would say are the most important are self-leadership and external leadership. And the reason that they're the most important is because without those in place, big calamities can happen. So without self-leadership, you could have a lot of, I, I think of self-leadership in the um, the issue the other day that we all read about in the news with someone getting on the on a Zoom and firing a whole bunch of people and hanging up. And that's just terrible. That's that's an example of zero self-leadership, as well as horrible external leadership. Also today with the external leadership, people who are unprepared to talk to the media, who are unprepared to answer questions from investors or, or from Wall Street, that can have enormous and sometimes unredeemable implications. And so external leadership today in our environment with media being what it is and and communications being what it is and the scrutiny being what it is, it is so essential that your folks are prepared and that they show up not only with that executive presence, I think that you and I were talking about before, but that they show up able to answer quickly, succinctly, authentically, and honestly every time. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked that you'd like to add? You know, I think as people are thinking about executive ex- executive development, I know a lot of organizations don't have programs in place. And I think that it's a missed opportunity because when you are sp- intentional about developing your executives, the, the implication or the impact to that really trickles throughout your organization. And the the benefits that you're going to receive, not only from having really well-developed, knowledgeable executives who enter their roles with a toolkit in place, with the confidence, knowing what they're coming into, that the way that that trickles down throughout the organization is really exponential. Um, And the other thing I would say in today's environment, I, I get asked this question a lot about diversity candidates and what kind of programming is there for to help people become 
better, the diversity candidates become better executives. And I think that the best kind of program to solve that challenge today is not a program that's a diversity program, but it's initiatives designed simply for strengthening executives, but that's where you're putting the right candidates in that in those programs far enough in advance to ensure that you're going to be able to achieve whatever goals you have with diversity, but that you are going to also pick the best candidates every time. So it's really developing that leadership as early as you can so that there's always a multitude of candidates for those roles. Well, Kimberly, how can people get in contact with you? Well, you know, Brian, very simple. My email is the best way to get in touch with me, and it is kgerber, G-E-R-B-E-R, at iaccelerate.com, and that is spelled I, the letter I, E-X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E.com, and that's it. Terrific. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I really appreciate it. This has been fun. My sincere thanks to Kimberly Gerber for being our guest. Managing the performance of your company is one of the most important things you do as a leader. This podcast is on over 20 directories. Subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast. And feel free to share this podcast with people who you think may benefit. A strong rating of these podcasts would be appreciated. If you'd like to reach out to me with any questions, comments, ideas, or potentially be a guest like Kimberly, please go to bcforg.com. There's a red Contact Us button in the middle of the homepage. A LinkedIn symbol is on the upper right. Click on that if you'd like to see my profile. All the podcasts are available by clicking on the website podcast page in the reference bar. These podcasts will be released the first and third Tuesday each month. In the next episode, 39, our topic will be business relationships with banks, CPAs, and attorneys. In business, running a successful, profitable business is the ultimate scorecard. You are never done and can always be better. It tends to be more fun than work, frustrating at times, but can be very rewarding. From BCFORG Corp., I'm Brian Fisher, wishing you the best. Thanks. Thanks.